0: Greetings, all, and welcome to another episode of the Everyday Hope Podcast. Yes, I have been considering changing the name to the Once a Month Hope Podcast. I know. And someday I'll tell you the story of how my 2020 and 2021 folded into what it is. But hey, here we are, right? And God is faithful and continues to be faithful through all the chaos, so... Praise the Lord for that. Hey, so um, over the last couple of weeks, uh, Justine and I have started going to a Bible study. Correct? I'm not teaching a Bible study. I'm just showing up to a Bible study. And so I thought, boy, it might be fun to spend a few episodes and go through the weekly homework that we have for our Bible study. In a sense, you guys will just be helping me do my homework for free, which is good. So I'll just kind of share my mildly filtered thoughts on the progression of this Bible study and and we'll see how this goes. So, it's kind of a neat study. The whole idea is exploring the story of the Bible. Now, just as a quick background, the the idea behind the Bible study is that is that there are a lot of different stories that attempt to explain, you know, life, the universe, and everything. Another way you might see that is Um, different worldviews. It's a fancy word to describe, you know, how we understand the universe and how we understand God, how we understand ourselves and how we relate to both the universe and to God. What's our place in it? How does stuff like that work? And everybody has a worldview, but not everybody takes the time to think about it or to even articulate it, right? But it's important because the way you think about the universe affects the way you act and think and speak in this universe, the way you treat other people Will you approach life? And so it is kind of a neat thing. And so, um, as as the Bible study began, they started talking about some of the various stories that are out there and and the way people try to explain the universe and their point in it. And the whole idea was to get to the story of the Bible, the way the Bible explains the story of the universe, and what a biblical worldview looks like. How do we understand God? How do we understand our relationship to God and to the created world? And so. I think it was kind of a, a, a neat thing to to walk through. And the very first week of homework dealt with the idea of creation. So this, this first set of homework that we're going to go through that you guys are going to help me with is about creation, really focusing on Genesis chapters 1 and 2. And so let's just go through the questions and, and I'll tell you how I answered them and what I thought about them. So obviously the first question was to have us just think through... The days of creation and what was created on the various days of creation. And there's a table that had us fill this out. Um, Day one, God creates light and really sets a distinction between light and darkness, day and night. Day two, creates the heavens and really, again, creates a distinction between heaven and earth. Day three, again, a distinction, right? God creates the distinction between land and and the sea and and having created that distinction then creates all of the land vegetation day four god creates the sun the moon and the stars day five the birds and the sea creatures and day six the land animals including human beings and then on day seven god rested uh in a sense creating this cadence for life work 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 work, rest which is important for us uh God has actually told us we should follow that same cadence, right? So I think the whole point of question one here was to get us to think about those things so that they could ask question two. So here's what question two says. What patterns or repeated phrases do you notice in Genesis 1? Well, I hope you I hope you heard me continue to use the word distinction, right? There was that idea of God making a distinction between things. And maybe, I don't know, maybe the the whole purpose of that is ordering chaos right i mean one of the things we see in genesis 1 is god bringing order right creating and bringing order making things in a very specific and intentional structured way also if you read through genesis 1 you see this pattern of there was evening and there was morning and there was the first day the second day the third day that's a pattern that repeats one of the most important patterns i think is every time god makes something he stops, he looks at it and decides it's good. Right? And that statement is repeated over and over about everything that God makes. And one of the most important patterns that I noticed was how this worked. How creation happened. In Genesis 1, God said, boom, and it was so. And that happens over and over again. God said it and it was manifested because of his will. It's kind of kind of cool to think about the patterns of creation. It's kind of cool to think about the intentionality of creation. Now, <clears throat> I'm on record as having said, I don't think Genesis 1 even mildly attempts to show us how God created anything. The metaphysics of this was left out of Genesis 1. It's a poem, but it's a poem that's meant to express some very specific things, right? It's meant to express that God created everything. And there's, a, there's an intense sense of intentionality about the structure Of Genesis 1 about God going through this, you know, seven perfect days and creating everything to be good. It's kind of cool to look at it that way. All right, moving on. Question three What is the significance of God making people in his image? And it's referenced in Genesis 1 26 to 27. Now, this is a loaded question. This is huge. How we understand ourselves and how we understand other people is super important because. How we treat other people stems a lot from the way we think about humanity in general. And so this is this is a loaded question. What does it mean that God created people in his image, that he bestowed his divine image on us, that we are image bearers? So Professor Dr. Ray Anderson wrote an anth- a biblical anthropology book about this, and he had a really great way of describing what goes on between day six and day seven. And of all the animals that were created on day six, only human beings were called out of day six into a day seven relationship with God. And what a great way to visualize the bestowing of God's divine image on us. We are unique among all creatures and that God has made us his image bearers, his representatives here, but also having something in common with him, right? The, the other problem with this is if God bestowed his divine image on human beings, and, and listen, this is, this is a document that was written a really, really, really long time ago, but this is 2021, and we know how DNA works. So you go out and you find anything where the DNA comes back human being, and it does not matter what they look like on the outside. It doesn't matter what their race is. doesn't matter what their gender is. doesn't matter if they're good-looking or bad-looking or tall or short or fat or thin. It does not matter. If they're a human being, guess what they are? They're image bearers. They are bearers of God's divine image and should be treated that way. And the problem with this whole God bestowing his image on us is when he tells us we need to love our neighbors, even if our neighbors are our enemies, he's telling us that for a very specific reason. They are bearers of God's divine image, even if we don't like them, <laughs> right? And And to treat them poorly is to... I don't know, somehow minimize God's image in them. It's difficult. I know it's a struggle sometimes. You know, that, that person who cuts you off in traffic and drives like a maniac, that, that person's a, a person. That person is a bearer of God's divine image. And, and it's important that we recognize that in them and treat them that way. It's also important that we recognize that in ourselves. Sometimes we don't feel great about ourselves or things aren't really going well for us and sometimes we struggle to kind of think well of ourselves and, and we have to remember that we are bearers of God's divine image and we should treat ourselves as if we are bearers of God's divine image. And treating ourselves poorly is also a mistake. And so when we think about human beings being created in God's image. All of, all of this gets bundled into that. It's very important that we recognize that, that human beings are unique among all creatures and that diminishing the personhood of another person just because of the way they look, that's not good. All right. Question number four says, compare the creation narrative in Genesis 2 with the creation narrative in Genesis 1. Now, I think the reason this question came up is there are a lot of people that say, well, there are two creation stories in the Bible. Which one is true? There aren't two creation stories in the Bible. There's one creation story in the Bible. And if you, if you look at Genesis 1 and 2 in a specific way, you see Genesis 1 is sort of a macro high-level view of creation. And then Genesis 2 really drills down to a specific part Of that creative story and so it it gets specific more more of a micro view on a portion of the larger view of creation to focus in really on the creation of human beings and the implications of that and how how god entered into the relationship with human beings that he made them to have with him right and so when we see genesis 2 we really see god getting involved let me give you an example i use this on my marriage couples all the time So there's a moment where, you know, God looks at Adam and says, you know, it's not good for the man to be alone. And I always joke about this, right? God makes the land and the sea and it's good. And he makes the sun, the moon, and the stars. It's good. He makes the trees and they're good and the birds and they're good and the fish and they're good and the animals and good. He makes Adam and he goes, man, that's, that's not good. Uh, But if you think about it, it's probably not likely that God made Adam and made a whoopsie. Right. That he thought he made him good, but then he looked at him and said, hmm, I made a mistake. That's not likely. Right. God's intentionality in creation is consistent. Right. So he makes Adam the way he makes Adam and recognizes that Adam has a flaw. And if that's true, then it's a flaw that God built into Adam for a reason. And his recognizing that in Genesis 2 is to call it out. But what I find so interesting is that when God says, you know, it's not good for the man to be alone. I ought to fix that problem. And then he immediately gives Adam a chore. The next thing that happens in the story, you would think, Oh, that would be God fixing that problem, but it isn't. It's, it's God giving Adam the chore of naming the animals. And so he brings all the animals to Adam and Adam names all the animals. And, and it's through that process that Adam sees that he has a problem. Right, And you realize, oh, God is being very intentional about this. He doesn't solve Adam's problem until he makes sure that Adam understands that he doesn't have a partner that's suitable for him. All the other animals do, but Adam does not. And God waits until Adam recognizes that he needs a partner. And then God creates Adam's perfect partner, Eve. And just in case you want to buy into some of the patriarchal nonsense that the early church kind of preached, the word, the Hebrew word that... Genesis 2 uses to describe Eve, which we often translate as helpmate or helpmeet. It's a word that's used to describe God in different parts of Genesis. So I'm pretty sure he didn't intend her to be some lesser subservient, you know, thing. She's a partner. She's an equal. And that's how God designed it. FYI. All right. Going on question five says, how do we learn or what do we learn about God in Genesis 1 to 2? What do we learn? Oh my gosh. What do we learn about God? Well, I really gathered that the point of this first lesson was to make sure we identified the one most critical statement that we can make about God here. If we're going to start putting together our worldview, if we're going to start to assemble the story of God and understand the way the universe works, the very first thing we need to say is that God is the creator. God created everything, right? And Genesis 1 has some very specific things that it insists on you know i don't think that genesis 1 insists on timing it's an argument we could have at another time but there are some things that genesis 1 insists on the first thing's an obvious one i think to some of us is that god is one god there there isn't a bunch of gods and a lot of the myths that existed in the ancient near east had a, a whole pantheon of gods and gods of this and gods of that and gods that were fighting and gods that disagreed on stuff and, and genesis says no no there is one god and that god is the creator. So it insists that God is one and that it insists that that one God created. But I think the, the use of seven here is not accidental. In Hebrew, numerology, seven is the number of perfection and completion. And so I think that the use of number seven lets us know that God didn't just create. God created everything. Right? His His creation was complete. So the one God created everything. And as we saw... As we talked about with the intentionality of God, that God created everything on purpose. There really doesn't seem to be any accidents in Genesis 1 and 2. There's a sense of intentionality that this was something that God set out to do and he did it on purpose. He didn't just throw a bunch of dust into the air and wait to see what it would turn into. There was an intentionality about what he did. And so the one God created everything on purpose and over and over and over he says, it is good. So we see that that one God created everything on purpose to be good. And that's some important things to understand about God. As we try to find our way in the world and try to find our way through this life and try to understand the universe and how stuff works, it's important to start off with, God made everything. And think about it. If you make something, it's yours. It belongs to you. It didn't exist before you made it. And God made everything out of nothing. It's not like he went down to the lumber store and got a bunch of lumber and then built something, right? He built from nothing. Everything he built belongs 100% entirely to him. It's his, he created it. He thought it up, he invented it, and then he manifested it in the universe. He manifested the universe. It belongs to him. And so us understanding God as creator is, I think, essential to us interacting with God's world and God's people and God because it all belongs to him. And then kind of a partner question to go along with this is, what do we learn about humanity, right? Well, again, we're creatures, we're created by God, we belong to God. But but again, to revisit the whole image of God thing, human beings are image bearers and deserve to be treated by other human beings as if they're image bearers. Now, question seven changes gears just a little bit. It says, how do these chapters prepare us for what's going to happen in Genesis three? Well, I'm I'm hoping that everybody, you know, has has read the rest of the story. We know what's coming in Genesis three. Very famously, that's the fall. That's when Adam and Eve eat the fruit from the tree. They're not supposed to and things start to go bad. Right? So so this is this is a big question. And we could spend hours and hours talking about the implications of this. But but just to kind of boil it down and summarize it and think about this. When's the last time you were with a friend, somebody, something bad had happened to them, and they said, why? Right? I mean, every day this happens. We, we run into difficult things, and we ask that question, why? And God generally gets the blame for it. In fact, a lot of the reasons why you know, atheists say it's stupid to believe in God is that if God's good, then why does he let so much nonsense go on? That's just proof that there's no God, right? Well, what if God made everything good, but we broke it? Right? That would mean that at least some of the bad stuff that happens isn't God's fault, it might be our fault. And so I think starting off with this understanding of God as the intentional creator of all things to be good kind of helps us understand when we see Genesis 3 that, that the damage that was done by sin was done by the sinners, right? And that we let that into the universe. So I think that's an important thing as we, as we prep to see the fall in the next lesson. All right, question 8, how should the goodness of God shape the way we think about our world, right? Well, you know, it would be a mistake to kind of ignore creation. I don't know, there's a lot of that going on now, but back in, you know, ancient Greeks, they had a lot of philosophers that said, you know, anything physical is bad, stay away from the physical, just focus on the spiritual. I imagine there could be some churches that kind of teach the same thing, but remember, God's creation is good. He created it, and he created it to be good. And he created us and put us in it to enjoy it and care for it and and so it's good. And so we ought, to, we ought to enjoy and appreciate God's creation. We also ought to understand we have a responsibility to take care of God's stuff. He gave us his stuff and said, look after our stuff. And I think you can look around this world and see a lot of ways in which we don't really do a great job of that. We don't always take good care of God's stuff. Sometimes we take good care of God's stuff until there's money involved. And then we stop taking good care of his stuff because money. But I think we do have an obligation to, to think about the created world as God's, belonging to God, and recognize our responsibility to enjoy it, yes, and to take care of it for him. All right, question nine. In what ways does the story of Genesis 1-2 speak to some of the false stories that we hear in our world? Well, I, don't, I didn't go through all the forced, all, all the false stories, and we don't have to list them all out here, but, but think about it. Most false stories make the same mistake. They miss this one important starting place, which is God is creator. If if you, if you de-emphasize that fact, if you forget that fact, if we stop thinking about there's a God and he made stuff, it's real easy for us to start to change the rules on how we live in this world and how we treat other people. I only have to be nice to nice people, or I only have to be nice to good people. There's good people and bad people, and I don't have to be good to the bad people. It's easy for us to forget that God made them and bestowed his image on them. So I think it's really, really, really important for us to start off with that as the foundation because any false story that comes along is going to have problems when it butts up against the idea of one God who created everything on purpose to be good. So that's week one. I think, um, I think it might be worthwhile to just reflect on what's going on in Genesis 1 and 2 and specifically thinking about God as creator. And I, listen, if you haven't done it in a while, wouldn't be a bad idea to go reread C.S. Lewis's The Magician's Nephew, watch Aslan create Narnia. Think about the joy God took in creating this world and creating us. I think it's good to understand that our God is creator and that he loves his creation, that he loves us. Okay, let me close this in a word of prayer. And as always, I'm going to ask you to you know, keep your eyes on what you're doing. If you're driving, don't, don't close your eyes. <laughs> keep your eyes on the road. If you're watching the kids, if you're uh, you know working with sharp tools, please keep your eyes on what you're doing. Just let your hearts pray with me now. Father, we thank you so much for giving us a chance to explore your story, the true story of how the universe works. Lord, we acknowledge you now as the creator of all things. And Lord, we thank you that you created us, that you love us, that you bestowed your image on us, that you called us into the special relationship with us. And we pray that you would help us to honor that in all the people that we run across every day, the good people, the ones that rub us the wrong way, that we would treat them as image bearers. Lord, we praise you and we thank you for this world. Thank you for the way you care for us and love us. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, with any luck, We'll be back next week with another episode. So, you know, fingers crossed. Peace.